Today on Fit for Purpose, I'm joined by Shirley Congdon. Shirley started off her career as a nurse, but decided to apply her expertise in evidence-based practice to higher education, becoming now the University of Bradford's first ever female Vice-Chancellor. We talk about how life at her university has changed for students and staff since coronavirus, the role that the university plays developing Bradford's local talent, and of course, its vital role in the Bradford Opportunity Area, a scheme I set up as Education Secretary that's now helping to raise education outcomes for children and young people across the city. Shirley, thanks so much for doing the podcast. We've all had to live through lockdown over the last few months and lots of people are getting back into the office more now. How's it been for you as a VC? I presume that you've also been one of millions of people having to work remotely from home. Yes, certainly have, uh, Justine. Um, I'm back in the university probably about three times a week now, but up until two weeks ago from the 17th of March, yeah, I was working from various rooms in my house uh, uh, in Bradford. (laughs) Did you steadily have to find out which was the best place to be? (laughs) Yeah, I tend to move around depending on what I need to do. So people have been asking me to do a lot of videos to send out to students and staff. So I move, I follow the light around the house. (laughs) Not a bad idea, actually. Uh, And I guess for the university, it's been especially challenging. You know, not only having to cope with a a summer term massively disrupted, but then obviously planning ahead for what will be a really busy as ever autumn term. How did the university end up responding to the coronavirus pandemic? So I think if you speak to the majority of vice chancellors, I'm sure you'll get a very similar response that the sector as a whole has responded remarkably well, very agile. And, you know, our staff and students have really engaged with us positively. I think the the situation of COVID-19, people understood the seriousness of it and they wanted to work together to find a solution. So I think that's really helped people to work together as a big team and marshal the plans forward very, very effectively because we were almost thrown into it. Not quite. We did know it was on its way. So we did have some time to plan. But I think agility and teamwork have been the, the, key, the key solutions to us being able to manage it really well. And I suppose you look forward now to an autumn term that'll be very different to ones that you've had in the past Are you going to be one of those universities that's very much looking at what's been called a a blended learning approach? Presumably you're going to have to find ways to get face-to-face time, but also doing all of that in a way that's safe. Yeah, you know, Justine, it's really, really uh, challenging in some respects because we know we can deliver a quality blended offer and we know we can put in place the right safety mechanisms, but there's increasing challenges from um, different different sources of, uh, of society really now saying, well, is it safe enough? And questioning the evidence and questioning the steps that have been put in place. Um, I think we're now in a world that Anthony Giddens said years ago where everybody's an expert and that becomes quite challenging when you want to be collaborative and involve people, but you've got to go ahead and make some decisions that people feel confident with and that they can trust. So I think the challenge is keeping the confidence levels up in our staff and our students and following the guidance, absolutely, but making sure that we make the right decisions that balance out quality education and the safety of everybody. 
And I suppose also having a bit of flexibility to see how things go as you get underway with the autumn term and revisiting areas when you think you can tweak them and, and make them a bit better. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think being um, having the period of time since the 17th of March has tested our system. So we know we can work effectively remotely. We know we can pivot towards online delivery if we need to. And we do envisage that this semester will be a bit of a a yo-yoing, really, where we may have to sort of close some modules down temporarily if there's a cluster uh, that happens to to be uh, around the university area and then we'll be back again so I think we've got to prepare to be as agile as possible. And you arrived didn't you at the university last summer so I guess you had just about had chance to get into this role and really set the agenda when all of a sudden lockdown, lockdown then hit. Yeah, it did. I, st- I took up post on Yorkshire Day, 1st of August. It's a real memorable day. <laughs> Can't think of a better day. Yeah, exactly. And uh, set about really thinking about what, what I wanted to achieve as Vice-Chancellor and took the senior management team and the staff back to what is it at Bradford that we are about? What do we care about? What do we want to make a difference to? And overwhelmingly, we've took ourselves right back to social inclusion, social mobility, driving that for the city of Bradford and the region and the north and beyond through our teaching research and knowledge exchange. So we're absolutely committed to work in partnership with everybody in our region to drive this agenda. And I know it matters to you personally as well. I think, you know, tell us, you know, your journey hasn't almost been a typical one necessarily into becoming a VC. Tell, tell me a little bit about how you end up being VC of Bradford when you know you start off training to be a nurse yeah well I think it's all about having a commitment from a very young age to want to make a difference and and a real meaningful difference and to that difference to impact on people's lives whether that be at a macro or or, 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 or a micro level really and I think that that desire transcends a lot of professions, including nursing, where it's all about people and making a difference to healthy, happy lives at an individual level and a population level. And I think as as I went through my career, I began to realise that I could maybe make a bigger difference if I started to get involved in education. And that led me to move into academia and then into university. And, you know, seeing lives and a whole system approaches to making societies fairer, as as just transcended all of my career really and I think it's interesting because one of the things that the university's been brilliantly involved in over the last few years has been the Bradford opportunity area and it's really looked at this link between health and education hasn't it it has I think the difference with the Bradford opportunity area is it's focused on four four priority areas one of which is using evidence and research to remove barriers to learning and the other one's improving access to rewarding careers and then literacy, a focus on literacy. And importantly, the quality of leadership and the quality of teaching in the schools, you know, rather than focusing on the areas of, say, early years or post-16, it's taken mm-hmm. more of a holistic approach and centred its activities on trying to work out and understand for the long term, generating an evidence base that we can use for the future. One of the things that really struck me about the Bradford Opportunity Area when I visited it I mean everybody was just so fired up about Mm -hmm. 
what you were all doing. It was just exactly what I'd hoped to be able to yeah. have them work like when we were first designing them in the Department for Education. But it really struck me how you would use that evidence to come up with some simple but really powerful steps like the glasses for classes project. Tell us a little bit about how that worked, but also then the impact that it's had. Well, I think there's been um, a longer a foundation in Bradford of wanting to work in the area of applied health research. And so the work that's been going on for a number of years now with the university and the NHS hospital trust there with the John Wright's team has laid the foundations for the application applied research focusing on people and the born in Bradford study. And that allowed the opportunity area and this applied research teams to work together to look at the things that affect people every day and children's chances. And the obvious one was a lot of children in Bradford do have problems with, with their eyesight. And, and just a simple intervention of testing the children's eyes in school uh, led to this initiative, uh, Glasses for Classes, where you go to the people and to the children in schools rather than you know, assuming that people will actually go to the opticians and get their, eye, their children's eyes tested. So it's understanding the communities and their needs and their values and their concerns uh, in order to make an impact. If it's not centered in the community, then I don't think you will get the impact. Mm, and it's really about having those local priorities owned by communities so that they're they're not having change done to them. They're fundamentally part of it themselves, I'm thinking. No, that's right. And I mean, the term that we're using is a, a city collaboratory. So that the, the word collaboratory is a bit of a made up word, really. But um, <laughs> it's a word where it's meant to, to indicate that we're working in collaboration with the people of Bradford and asking them what their problems are and then identifying if we put our efforts in this part of our uh, active action research and applied research, that would make a bigger difference because it's, it's generating the, the problems from the community's perspective that we want to solve. Tell us a bit about what the university specifically, the role of Bradford University within that opportunity area, because obviously there were lots of primary and secondary schools you know, a wider education system, but, you know, Bradford's got you as the university, it's a crucial anchor in a sense for opportunity. How do you feel the university's contributed to the opportunity area? Well, contribute significantly. I, I sit on the, uh, the opportunity area board and um, a lot of our academics are involved in it in different ways. One of the, the key things is our access and participation plan that we've uh, developed sort of in collaboration with the opportunity area is helping us to develop a whole system approach to that pipeline of students and starting off as young people living in the community and maybe being part of the Born in Bradford study and moving through and taking all of that learning um, and integrating it into every step of the educational pathway with the university being perceived as being at the end it actually needs to be involved in the beginning as well so that it can learn how our young people and our families live and learn together and the best mechanisms and approaches that we can use to keep narrowing the attainment gap 
and making sure that it's it's connected that the university isn't seen as isolated but equally our approaches are connected right across the educational pathway we we can't be successful in narrowing the attainment gap and enhancing social mobility if we do this in isolation it, it won't work we won't crack the issue of working class boys for example if we don't work with the schools and the areas in bradford south where there's particular concerns so you end up really with one big holistic plan university's been massively involved as a core part of the bradford opportunity area tell us a bit about what the university's done but also more generally what you feel the opportunity area has achieved uh, for bradford in terms of education so i think the university's been an integral player in the um, in setting the priorities for the opportunity area and sort of directing and challenging um, the whole the whole program to make sure that it stayed on track and that we've been focusing on on the right areas we've particularly played a key role in supporting the the stem outreach work and um, working with employers but more importantly working on the priority four which is about using evidence and research to remove the barriers to learning so we played a big role in that work priority area I think overall the strengths of the Bradford opportunity area is that it's focused on key priorities rather than particular groups of children. So it hasn't said, let's just look at early years or let's look at post-16. Its success, I think, has been in identifying the key issues and how those can be resolved. So, for example, strengthening school leadership and the quality of teaching generally, improving literacy generally, Um, you know, improving access to rewarding careers and creating an integrated holistic approach. And I think that's the benefit of the priority areas, you know, being funded by government, but delivered locally. If they are delivered through a strong local partnership where you know the politics, you know the teachers, you know the needs of the communities and the school children, you can be much more impactful and focused. And I think the, the key thing for me was that it was about having one team with one set of priorities that was really driven by the evidence and then having the DfE officials part of that team. So rather than it being a Whitehall project done to a community, it was literally entirely joined up with everybody working on the same side. Yeah, it has been. And I think that teamwork's been tremendously successful and people, I think without exception, have been open to to challenge and debate to make sure that the decisions have been the right ones for Bradford and for the children of Bradford and that these things have been connected. So, for example, when we've had the additional funding recently, um, we've been able to direct that to um, catch up for children that have been impacted through COVID-19. But we've also been able to draw upon additional funding from the local authority to strengthen some of that work. So we, we're bringing the resources together because people know that we're focusing on the right areas. And I think one of the things you did during COVID was, again, bring that health and education lens together so there was the project around education and food packs where you're not only dropping off um, food for people who might be struggling also at the same time giving them lesson plans and the means by which you can give them a bit more support to help their children stay learning. 
That's right, because the support for parents is, 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 is crucial. And I think if, you're, if you are tackling this through a community and a family lens, especially based on what we know about young people in Bradford and their families needing support, it's got to be more than, um, you, you know, just putting in some uh, additional support with an after-school club, for example. It's got to be more holistic. Do you think it's an area of effort? Obviously, a huge amount of hard work went into it. I mean, a massive thank you, I think, from everyone to the Opportunity Area team for everything that people have been working to accomplish. I mean, it really is striking, you know, the rate of improvement of literacy, numeracy, I think, and, and you know, maths, for example, has been something like 16% better than the national average. You know, that doesn't just happen. Do you think yeah. Opportunity Areas can work in other communities? Do you think that what you've been able to do is something that we could see happen in a lot more places? I think so. I think the key to success would be to to identify why it's worked uh, in Bradford and other areas where they've been more successful. And I think the lessons learned being, um, you know, it's, it's a local authority that has been committed to the opportunity area the schools have been committed and the university. So you've, you've had key partners that have actually um, committed from the beginning and sustained their input. Um, I think if it was based on a larger geographical area, that could be more challenging. Mm. So you, you need to have that, uh, that broad understanding of the, the, the place in which you're operating. I think that's absolutely right. And one of the things that really struck me when we set up the opportunity areas was how many of the DfE officials got in touch to say, well, I grew up in Norwich or, or wherever mm. to say, can I be involved? So it's this sense of people really being invested in their home and tapping into that motivation that people have to see schools locally get better. You know, no one's probably going to care about education in Rotherham quite so much as people who live in Rotherham and the opportunity areas were very much about harnessing that, innate motivation people have got to see improvement in their local area but then getting them together to be able to help drive it for themselves yeah no absolutely and only just yesterday i uh, met with um, two people from something a, a group called bradford breakthrough it's a group of business people and um they were talking about what they could do to um help the post-COVID period in schools. So I was explaining to them what the opportunity area was and what it was doing in terms of supporting catch-up work. And, you know, immediately they say, well, what can we do? Um, and businesses would probably, you know, really get involved, I think, if they understood more what the opportunity areas are doing and how they could contribute through either their corporate social, social responsibility roles and their, their, especially some of the businesses that you're working with through the social mobility pledge and, and knit, knitting these, these organisations together would be even further impactful. I couldn't agree more. And one of the reasons I set up the Social Mobility Pledge was I felt that there were these two parts of delivering a levelled up Britain. One was what was happening in schools and our education system and really developing talent wherever it was. The second was then making sure it could connect up with opportunity. And that's business, as we, as we all know, for, for most of the opportunities in our country. I think if you're developing opportunity areas to the next stage, and that's something I think Bradford should really be looking at. That next stage is very much about how can you then connect up 
all of that talent in your local area through the work that um, institutions like Bradford University are doing to those sorts of businesses that are already there locally. And as you say, Shirley, really keen to help and play a role. I think for me, that's when it gets really exciting because we have a lot of businesses engaged through the Social Mobility Pledge. The opportunity areas are showing how we can do more tailored levelling up on the ground if you can bring them together then I think you could get some real change over the coming months and years. Absolutely. You know, and, and building from everybody's assets and sharing assets, um, you know, especially, you know, when, you know, I'm working in the public sector as a university, that's what we're about. We're not about um, marketization or anything. We're about doing good for the community, the place and building on assets. Well, hopefully lots to look forward to in terms of, um, the, the ongoing work of the opportunity area it's obviously i presume for you shirley and the rest of the opportunity area team crucial that it gets continued funding and support from government oh uh, yeah absolutely uh, i think that you know you need to be able to be i think going at some pace for a while to make sure that you can embed the 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 priorities and the impact will flow through. And I think to shorten the length of time of projects like opportunity areas is really short-sighted because it takes, it takes a couple of years to get the priorities right and sharpened and the actions embedded. And then you've got to, you've got to make sure that you uh, are evaluating constantly and refining the approach. So, you know, the, the impact um, is, is getting fairly significant, but with more time, it will, it will be greater. Well, and we're really just seeing the beginnings of the improvements that you might be able to get locally. As you say, in my mind, when I was Secretary of Education, I very much saw these as long-term projects that we would learn from, but then replicate much more widely if they were successful on the ground. And I think... You know, even in these early years, you're already seeing um, areas like Bradford drive improved results, which I think is absolutely fantastic. And, and let's hope they can all keep on going and that we get even more of them. I think for you, Shirley, obviously, it's just a fantastic opportunity you have as VC at Bradford um, in, a, in a key area where we want to see levelling up with a, a key institution, the university that you lead um, it must be exciting, um, but at times maybe a bit daunting to look ahead to, to what's, what, what's coming down the track. Yeah, I, I think it, it can be daunting if, if, if you let it. I was just sort of reflecting that in reality, this period has probably helped us more than ever realise that we can cope with uncertainty. And that's a key skill for anybody uh, in any job, especially if you're leading an organisation. You've got to be able to cope with the unexpected. But that also reminds you that, you know, this, this period of COVID-19, that you've, you've really got to have an eye on what might be around the corner, what, what might be next, what's the world challenges that we're, that we're facing that might impact us. And, you know, maybe we could have been better prepared, everybody thinking there might be a pandemic around the corner. Um, but you can only work on so many scenarios. So I think being agile and being able to... Um, you know, respond to uncertain times is really important. And a key skill, of course, for us young people in schools. So I think, you know, the opportunity areas and the way that we em embed dealing with things like this when they happen at such a global scale is really important for school children. We, we need to learn about their experiences and how we can 
support them to cope better with things like this that that may happen again I totally agree with that and I think the other interesting thing for me about the work that you will be doing in Bradford is because it had such of a such a sense of mission around the overall purpose behind the opportunity areas that gave people something to draw back on when you suddenly were hit by the school shutdown and I think it meant no doubt there was a ready-made team almost together to say well how do we respond to this challenge the opportunity area is about the opportunity where you can get to but actually it presumably also allowed you to deal with this risk that suddenly presented itself which was COVID. I think so and I think the other important thing is you know we've really got to embed some different ways of doing things from that that's emerged from the learning from COVID-19 I mean there's there's a plethora isn't there of high quality research that's been telling us for years that there's inequalities in health and lifestyle and chances mm-hmm. and it's almost taken this pandemic for people to say wow we need to be doing more um, about leveling up but you know the background level of people's health and well-being and poverty is is significant and and you know seriously unacceptable and we need to be driving social mobility even more now we can't take our foot off the pedal we've got to put it down harder i i think that's right and i think unfortunately what covid has done has almost taken every single inequality gap that was already there for what Every reason and then made it much mm. wider so if you were a country that already decided leveling up mattered before then it becomes even more crucial now and i think this issue of health inequalities is clearly inextricably linked to how you tackle weak social mobility in britain and we've also seen that over over the last few months i think very very starkly actually But I mean, you've obviously been on a a very long journey on a personal level. And I think if you were looking back to your younger version of yourself, Shirley, back up in Durham, thinking of being a nurse, maybe, what sort of advice would you give yourself now, knowing what you know from the journey that you've had? I think the one piece of advice uh, would be to don't doubt your um your sense of um self really if if you feel that something needs to be addressed and you feel it's um not right or unfair or you can see solutions don't 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 be shy really i think i was probably maybe a bit too hesitant in speaking up when i was younger and fearful of you know the the received wisdom that was around me that maybe i didn't quite agree with but didn't dare challenge too much so I think it's important to, you know, to develop confidence and to, to just test yourself out and speak out when, when you're younger, to, to develop that, that ability to, to engage effectively and confidently. Yeah, and I think it, from my perspective, one of the reasons I originally got involved in politics is because people change things. And in the end, change always starts with somebody somewhere with an idea. But if they keep it in their head, they never talk to anyone about what it is. No one else gets the chance to say, actually, I agree with that. Why don't we do something about it? So it's about, I think you've talked in articles about liberating talent. It's Mm. about just giving yourself a chance almost to share your ideas and and Mm. be successful. 
and not not be fearful yeah because that'd be a good novel actually title for a novel wouldn't it lost ideas <laughs> yeah i bet that i mean thank heaven steve jobs didn't um you know didn't not discuss his ideas you know they they are transformative and it's people who change things so Yes, it's really good advice. And I think sometimes, you know, I used to worry that maybe what I was about to say was a bit silly or people would think it wasn't very well informed. And actually, I learned over the years that I was probably as well informed as most people. And so what if you say a point that they don't agree with? Um, Yeah. Yeah, and taking that back down to schools and opportunity areas. That's why we want to improve, you know, literacy and leadership and the quality of teaching, because we want young people to feel that they're liberated to share their ideas. And it starts at a young age. It starts so early. Mm. Yeah, it's about changing a social norm. Mm. And I hope that the work that the university is doing more widely which is giving young people, not just in Bradford, but the the region really access to being able to have the chance to get to higher education, do a degree. And I think the work you're doing in the opportunity area, um, pivotal in that as well, is absolutely fantastic. So Shirley, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you for taking the time when I know how busy it will be in the run up to a brand new autumn term. Uh, But it's been great to hear all your ideas and your thoughts and hear your motivation um, for for improving improving education and levelling up. It's one that I very, very much share. Thank you for, for everything. Yeah, well, thank you, Justine, for the opportunity. Shirley was a great guest and it was brilliant to get her thoughts on social mobility and hear how closely Bradford University has been involved in the opportunity area and how it's really been able to boost outcomes in the three years since I set it up. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fit for Purpose. If you enjoyed it, please give us a rating and share with your friends, family and colleagues. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes.